want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. I am so thankful to be a part of a movement in the kingdom of God. Aren't you thankful to be part of a movement? We're not just going to church. We're part of a faith community that boldly and courageously says we're going to do what God tells us to do. We're, we're not going to deny God still heals the sick and delivers the bound and does miracles. How many are thankful we believe that around here, preach that around here? Because the Bible says that we're not afraid to say that no matter what the culture says. We're not afraid to be generous. We're not afraid to be kind. What a great community of faith we're a part of. Today, I want to begin a new series, and I did a play on words intentionally. Usually, we talk about gift wrap. Well, I want to talk about wrap gifts, all right? This month, we're, I, I want to share a series with you, I believe, that is going to change the way you look at yourself, change the way you look at your circumstances, wrap gifts. If you can see this, I want you to look at this gift. It's just wrapped in plain brown paper and string. See, the gift's very plain, all right? But on the inside, when you open the gift... Something incredible is inside there. So this month, what I want us to look at is a series entitled Wrapped Gifts. What does that mean? Well, I found in Scripture and in life that very often God's greatest gifts have come wrapped in the most unlikely packages. I want you to think of that. Very often in Scripture, very often in life, some of God's greatest gifts come wrapped in the most unlikely packages packages. It's as if God specializes in that. And if you and I are not very careful, we miss these moments. We miss who we are. We miss the people around us. We may even miss what God is doing. We're going to be encouraged this week, this month. We're going to be encouraged by what we see. Uh, I, I believe you may have underestimated your own value. I want you to look at the person next to you and say, don't underestimate yourself. Come on, tell them that. Don't underestimate yourself. I believe we've underestimated our value and worth in the eyes of God. Hey, listen, one of these messages I'm going to, I'm going to share this, this month and teach you is revolutionary. I want you to hear this. We will even discover that God sometimes sends a blessing to us wrapped in an enemy. Did you hear what I just said? You got to hear this one. I, it's tough when I got a series. I got about seven sermons rolling over here right now trying to stay on track. So, so one of the messages, you got to get this. Is, is God will sometimes send a blessing wrapped in an enemy. It's stunning what we're going to learn. So it, it is going to be an exciting time. Uh, so let's go to 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. I want to read a couple of passages here. So I want you to stay with me. This first one's short. The next two will be a little longer. Uh, and let's look at this verse. Uh, the, these unlikely packages that contain God's power and wonder. Verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 4 but we have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Isn't that amazing? Let's look at that again. You have to see this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, purposefully, by design. God did that. Why? Because what does he want to do? He wants to show show, reveal, not a theory, but a reality. Are you with me? He wants to show that this all-surpassing power is from where? Is from God and not from us. So we need to understand this wrapped gifts concept and how God has some of his greatest miracles, encounters, and moments and people wrapped in unlikely packages. 
This treasure, what's the treasure? Well, that's Jesus Christ who lives in us. God lives in us. The Bible is very clear that when we're born again, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. The Bible says we receive a new nature. How many are thankful for the new nature? You know what's going to make heaven heaven? See, right now, before you were saved, you had a sinful nature. How many know that's true? Just say, uh-huh. You don't have to praise God about it. You say, uh-huh. We had a sinful nature. And when we're born again, what happens? The Holy Spirit moves in us, and now we receive what? The nature of God. But the reality is, before we were saved, we only had one nature, sinful nature. Now that we're born again, we have two natures, the flesh and the spirit. And which one's going to direct our life? Now, what's going to make heaven heaven? Are you ready for this? Is that when we go to heaven, I lose that carnal nature forever. Hallelujah. Isn't that going to be amazing? That's, that's heaven enough. Come on. Uh, I don't know about the mansions and the gold and, the, and, and, and you know, Liberace, if you got saved, playing the piano for you to sing hallelujah on. I, I just, I'm, just, I'm just excited about getting rid of my carnal nature. And quite honest, I know some people. I'm really glad they're going to get rid of their. Okay. So, but, but for right now, we have these two natures working in us, the Spirit of God. So we read here, and we have a treasure in us, a treasure. And this treasure is undescribable, but it is wrapped in you and me, <laughs> wrapped in our imperfection, wrapped in our weakness, wrapped in all of our human limitations, Wrapped inside of us is the unlimited, indescribable presence of the God who created the universe. Is that amazing? It is to me. What about you? That God chose to live in us. That's amazing. It's what salvation does. So this treasure or in these jars of clay. This, this terminology here, these jars of clay, the King James translation says earthen, earthen vessels. Uh, the connotation is that it's something not uh, uh, very valuable in the eyes of men. The, these jars that this treasure is in, the analogy the Holy Spirit used, are not gold and silver and jewel-encrusted vessels. They're just common clay vessels. And the meaning is not only are they common and earthy, they're somewhat fragile. They're not strong. They're not metallic. They're, they're, they're common. They're earthy. They're fragile. He's talking about you and me. But God's willing to risk his nature. God's willing to risk his reputation. Have you ever thought about that? I think about it all the time pastoring this church. I have to make some hard decisions that people don't always understand pastoring this church. And I have to always make a decision what's best for the whole. Does everybody understand that? I have some hard decisions I have to make because we often can only see what we need at that moment. Come on, help me out. You know, and my need is the only need in the world at times. Am I telling the truth? And sometimes I have to say no because I can't say yes to everyone. I can't say yes to you and no to the next guy. I have to live this thing where I understand if I say yes to this, I have to say yes to this from now on. Is everybody with me? Do you understand that? I don't like it, but, I, you know, mine's the last desk in line around here. Not really. God's is the last one in line. But... They kind of see me. You understand what I'm saying? There's sometimes I try to get out of my office because and, and, I don't like being the last desk in line. So I have to make this. And so one of the things I tell people, uh, and I have to think about this because we represent his kingdom on earth. We represent his word and his spirit. So, Pastor, can we do this? And I'm like, no, I don't think that's a good idea. Because I can't put at risk 
God's reputation to this church. Does that, do you understand that? I, I have to weigh with that. I'll answer to God for that. And so we, we look at those things. But God, look at this, risk his reputation with you. God said, you can use my name, Christian. God said, I'll move inside of you. He said, I'll put my treasure in this fragile, common, earthly vessel. But I'm going to do that. And God said, I'm going to risk that because that's the only way to really, what does it say? Show that this power that's in us and available from God huh, is from him and not from us. So this contrast is God designed. This dichotomy, this oxymoron that, that, that guys like you and me could live our life and such a, in such a way that when people see us, they have to back up and say, you know, I don't think they can do that. You know, uh, I'm, there's got to be something else going on here. Come on. Are we living in any way that forces someone to say, that's bigger than them? You're with me? They couldn't do that. I, I, I don't think that adds up. I, I want people all the time to look at what's going on through Calvary and say, that's bigger than Calvary. Those, those, those people can't do it. I love it every once in a while when we do one of these outreaches, people will say things like, uh, well, well, you must have some millionaires in your church paying for all that. I said, I'm praying for them, but they hadn't gotten here yet. They said, well, how do you do that? Because everybody did the best they could, and God got in the middle and showed up and did something to blow our mind. Let me tell you what happened this year that's never happened before. And I'm thankful for Pastor Emilio working hard on this with the Dream Center and Jesus and his friends. And can I tell you, I believe it's a direct result of kingdom builders and what we've been sowing. Because the Bible says when you sow, you what? Reap. We have an a, a angel donor this year who said, how many... Family, do you feed? 600. How much, uh, how many turkeys and what's all the food you give away? He said, Pastor Emilio shared that with him. He said, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy all the turkeys. I'm going to buy all the food. I'm going to underwrite the whole project because I want to be part of the kingdom. That never happened to us before. What happened? What happened? God said, I'm just going to reward that. I'm going to step in and show you something. See, people looked at Christmas now and then, and, and with a carnal eye, you want to find an earthly explanation. Come on. But with the natural eye, that's what happens. But with you take a step back, and you look at the earthen vessels, and you look at their limitations and what they can't do, and yet you see this power that did it, you have to say, that was not from man. That was only from God. So God loves to wrap his gifts in the most unlikely packages so when they get open we don't celebrate the package we celebrate the God who put the gift in the package anybody with me on this thing all right so so I love this word I got to listen to this this word power this all surpassing power is from God and not from us but it's here he's here his presence the treasure listen this this is the word dunamis it's the word throughout the New Testament used. It's in, in Acts chapter 1 where, where Jesus said, listen, quit worrying about dates and times. You need to stay here in the city until you've received power from on high. Then go preach my gospel. The word's dunamis in the Greek. Listen, I, I love this. Listen closely. Kind of a long definition. The, the first phrase is it is inerrant power. Or we could say it this way. Power resident in a thing 
by virtue of its nature. Power resident in a thing by virtue of its nature. What does that mean? Well, uh, by, by, by virtue of its nature. Uh, you, a, a, a dog can pull a sled, but by its nature, a horse can pull a bigger sled. See, it's, it, it, is, it, it is inerrant power. It is power resident in a thing by virtue of its nature. Because it's a horse, it has more power than a dog. Because he's an elephant, he has more power than a horse. Because he's a, 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 a diesel-powered locomotive, it has more power than your car. And because you're a born-again Christian, even though on the outside we may not impress anybody, the power of God is inerrant in His church because of the nature we have of the God who lives inside of us. Do we get that? Listen, it's the power for miracles to happen. Here's a biblical definition. Whether you're Episcopalian, Presbyterian, Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, or one of us, this is what this means to anybody and everybody. Are you with me? Power for miracles. I love this because God's power is never just this uh, entity uh, with, without character. Because it also, listen, the power of what? Moral excellence. You're not just powerful, you're godly. The power to heal the sick is the same power that causes you to walk the godliness of your life. Anybody with me? This word is the power that rests on armies and hosts and forces. And it's not from us, but it's to show the glory of God. Go, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Aren't you thankful that God designs his power to be treasured in unlikely packages? Come on, can somebody say amen to that? I'm glad. Hey, have you ever been overlooked? I've been overlooked before. I've been discounted and underestimated, and, and uh, it, it doesn't matter because God has, has put his treasure inside these earthen vessels that appear on the outside at first look to not have much value. But that's the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 1, we find it stated again. Just expand it a little from that verse. Are you with me? Follow this closely. Verse 26. He says, brothers, now in Scripture, when, when the Bible says brothers, I want you to know that's, that's an inclusive word. That's not just the men. It's men and women. You got me? Everybody, come on, ladies, say amen. Look at your husband and say, uh-huh. Come on, tell him this is me too. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Okay? Think of, think of what you were when you got saved. With me? Okay, everybody got that set? Can you back up a little bit? Think of where you were, who you were, what your life was like when you were saved, okay? He says, let me get you in the right place, okay? Then he says, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. So he says, this salvation wasn't limited to just royalty. Come on, can you say amen? Or you had to pay for it, or you had to earn it. He said, think of who you were and how you came into this thing, all right? Look at this. Before you get too excited about who you are now, verse 27, but God chose the foolish things of the world. Come on. Come on, are you with me? These, these unlikely packages. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Now, uh, let me help you with that. That doesn't mean that he just saves fools. 
It doesn't mean that if, if you got a brain, you can't be saved. But the point he's making, look at the contrast. He said, this is how we came to him. This is what the package looked like. But he said what happens is that even though we were doing foolish things, are you with me? Acting foolish. When the treasure moved in, this unlikely looking package, your foolishness was so transformed, all right, that it shames the wisdom of the world now. Are you with me? He says, and although you were weak in the eyes of this world, doesn't mean you were weak, it just means you were considered weak. Nobody could see who you were. Nobody could look at you the way God looked at you. No one knew what he wrote about you while you were in your mother's womb. Nobody could see God's plan. But as you came into his plan, what man said is weak has become so strong, it shames the strong and the wise of this thing. Are you with me? God chose a weak thing to shame the strong. Verse 28. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not Look at this, to nullify the things that are. It's stunning. Let's keep reading. Why? So that no one may boast before him. Do you remember who you were? What your life was like? The crazy things you thought? The dead-end streets you ran down? The concepts that you had? You know, but look what God has done in your life. He took you from that place and change your life and, and, and made something different. And, and listen, listen, some of you guys, you, you are about as faithful to a woman as a flea. And now you're a godly one-woman man, a man of God, a five-star man, a father, a husband, a godly, trustworthy, faithful man of God. Come on, don't look at me like, you didn't do that without him. Did you forget where you came from? Did you forget what you used to do? Did you forget all she had to do was walk by and wink and you turned into a sacrificial lamb? You had the willpower of a house fly. You had the attention of a mosquito. But the Holy Spirit came in your life and changed you from fool to wise, from weak to strong, and you're trustworthy now. Come on, give God thanks for what he made out of your life. Don't you act like you didn't need Jesus. Don't you sit there and look religious up at me this morning and pretend you had it going on. Come on. I'm not going to leave you ladies out of this thing either. Don't you ladies know you, you want to get married so bad. You wanted a man so bad. The things you said and the, and, and, and the faults you overlooked that dude walked in the door with neon signs flashing. You should have slammed the door, run from him, locked the door, bought a dead boat, bought a gun, hired a cop, and, 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 and said, if I ever see that rascal again. But you know, you, <laughs> you waited a week and said, well, he's not so bad. He's not so bad. I just saw his picture down at the post office. He said, but that was a long time ago. Oh, okay. Dear God. But you got saved and delivered and healed and filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And now you're not walking around needy. You don't have to have somebody to make you whole. You're not weak. You're strong. You're a woman of God. You know who you are. You know where you're going. And if somebody's lucky enough to even meet you, well, he ought to thank God every day. You don't need him. You met your God. He needs you and your life is turned upside. Come on. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. I've been a pastor too long and counseled too much. I know what time it is. So that no one can boast before him. Verse 30. It's because of him that you're in Christ Jesus who has become, come on, look at this. What happened to us? Look, our package, we, 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 we may not have all the fancy wrapping on this thing. It may be plain brown paper and string, but you need to see what's on the inside. Because look at this. He, it is Christ who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Come on, let's thank God for a minute right now. Come on, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. You transformed our life. You, and, and come on, to be honest, on the outside, it, 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 you know, it hadn't changed much. You know, we, we're still looking for the fountain of youth, and we're still trying to figure out how to make this thing work. But, but see, it's not just what you see first glance. You, you can't define someone by the car they drive. You can't define someone by the address of their home. You can't define someone by the label on their clothes or their shoes. You, you can't define me by that. You can't determine who we are, the treasure inside of us, by any outer measure. Because these unlikely packages are carrying the incredible power of God. If I can be quite honest with you, traveling the world, preaching the gospel, representing the kingdom and you guys, in the almost 40 countries that that I've been in, I have to tell you this, is that the strongest part of the church, and it grieves me because this is my assignment, the strongest part of the church is not in America anymore. Not here. The largest churches that will meet around the globe today, the largest ones, are not in America anymore. The believers that will stun you with their faith, and convict you with their sincerity and challenge you with their generosity. Don't all speak English. Don't own a car. Live in a home you wouldn't put your dog in. But they love God. They're full of faith and reality and anointing and power. And, and listen to me. And in those places, in America, the church overall is declining today for the last 10 years church attendance has dropped corporately in America 10,000 churches have closed in the last decade in America and yet I've been in countries where people make $30 a month and cram hundreds of people in a hot stuffy house and the growth of the church is faster than the birth rate of those third world countries. And if it keeps up one more generation, get this, they're going to have to sit around and wait on the kids to grow up old enough to lead somebody else to Jesus. South Korea 
at the end of the Korean War was 2% Christian. Today, it's almost 50%. There's no modern nation on the planet that has anything that has ever happened like that. And it came through the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you, you can't look at the wrapping of the paper and tell me what's on the inside of that person. You can't look at a little child born in poverty with two and a half strikes against them and say they'll never make it because I will tell you that if we can get the gospel to that child then greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world and they can change everything around them their home their family their culture generations to follow after them that's why we do what we do you can't tell from the outside and there's no greater Example of this in the world than the one we go to, Luke 1. And I purposely left it here just to hit and we'll come back around to it. Would you go to Luke chapter 1 and verse 26? Because everything about God's plan to bring this incredible salvation to us was absolutely ridiculous in the eyes of men. But it's just God's way. Luke 1, 26. It's just His way. Don't underestimate yourself. Don't underestimate the power of God. Don't overlook the treasure that lives inside of you. You can't determine who you are by just looking in the mirror. <laughs> you, you, listen, I love it. You don't have to Photoshop what you look like on the inside. <laughs> you know, I, I, I haven't figured out all the stuff. I don't have time to, you know, you, you know, all that stuff you do on Facebook and stuff. And, you know, look like Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and put your picture out there and think that's great. I don't know. That's fine. If that's what you like to do, that's fine. You know. But I seen people, and I looked at that, I said, that's not how they look. <laughs> but I keep it to myself. Phyllis says, don't say that, George. I said, all right. Man. I said, I know that woman, and that looks like her granddaughter. That don't look like her. I know. <laughs> when I'm just saying, I don't, I don't, I don't, I just keep it to myself. <laughs> I do have eyes. I mean, I, I got a brain. I can think. I mean, I know that. Mm -mm. I say, Phyllis, mm -mm. she says, don't. I said, but look, no. I said, all right. Between the Holy Spirit and Phyllis, I'm going to go to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. <laughs> but on the inside, you don't need a Facebook filter. Come on, somebody shout. <laughs> on the inside, you don't, you don't have to Photoshop. See, that treasure is going to come roaring out of there if you'll just let God do what he plans to do in your life. Luke 1, 26. Come on, we're going to look at this for a minute. And we're going to close. Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month, that's the sixth month of what? Mary's relative Elizabeth's pregnancy. A woman and husband who physically, humanly, are way too old to have a baby. Huh? And God said, I'm going to answer your prayer. You're going to have a boy. His name's going to be John. Zacharias tried to argue with the angel. He said, okay, we'll just let you be quiet until he gets here. I wonder how much talk can be in our world today. If that, anyway. So in the sixth month of that divine intervention, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Let, let, let me read on it for a moment. To a what? A virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. He was a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. 
wonder what kind of greeting this might be. You get that. An angel walks in your house and says, good morning. It's like, whoa, tell the truth. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary? Asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. I'm engaged, but I'm a virgin. How am I going to have a baby? I'm not married. What's the answer? The, the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. How does God change all of our limitations? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Huh? Look, I, I can't get ahead of myself. But see, right now, some of us, if you don't have spiritual eyes, we're wrapped in some pretty normal-looking stuff. Are you with me? But when the Holy Spirit wraps you, oh, are you with me? He said, we're going we're gonna to wrap you in the Holy Spirit. Okay? And then what happens, he said? He will overshadow you, so the Holy One will be born, we call the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was said to be barren as in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me, as you have said. Then the angel left her. Where was Mary from? He was, she was from where? Nazareth. I never cease to be amazed at God's choosing unlikely packages. In our terminology, Nazareth was the backside of nowhere. Nazareth, listen, to, listen, Nazareth. This, this, and, and Jesus declared himself. He said, I am Jesus of Nazareth. He was proud of it. Let me tell you about his hometown where God decided to bring the Savior of the world. Nazareth was uh, 12 miles southwest from the, it's still from the Sea of Galilee. They, they unearthed the ruins. 12 miles southwest of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, one spring, one well there for the city. Very conservative little Jewish village. They, they would, in that day, cling to all the Jewish traditions. They, they uh, uh, baptized their, their people as unto God. They circumcised their sons. They observed the Sabbath. They took their pilgrimage to Jerusalem, a very conservative Jewish community, right? Uh, are you ready? Maximum population of 400 people. It wasn't a town. <laughs> it wasn't a city. I don't think they had a post office. 400 people. Off the main road, 400 people. Would it be an understatement to say everybody knew everybody? Hmm? The entire town, the inhabited area, occupied about 10 acres. We sit on 182 acres here. 10 acres, 400 people in the middle of nowhere, off the main road. And isn't it amazing that the God of the universe looked at this planet that it's time to send my son. It's time to save the world. It's time to fulfill the prophecies. How many of you still believe in God for an answer to prayer? See, see, be careful how that answer comes wrapped. Don't you miss that answer when it comes at you because it may not be wrapped like you think it's going to be wrapped. And he looks down in this little, sleepy, tiny, nowhere, nothing village and says, it's her. She's... 16, maybe 15, at the most 17 years old. She's a virgin. She's never been more than 20 miles from where she was born. 
She knows everybody in, in, in there. And, and she's related to about a third of them probably. Just clans of families. And God says, that's my package. And God says, that's my choice. That's my jar of clay. That's the most unlikely thing anybody could ever dream or see. And Mary, oh, he chooses Mary. It, it's, come on, Mary, it, she, she's humanly impossible. It's, she's too young. She's a virgin. <laughs> Nobody's going to believe this. How would you like to have been told by God, you're going to get pregnant, don't worry, it's from God. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you. And you live in a conservative village where if you committed fornication or adultery, they could stone you to death. And you're not going to hide. This is not New York City. This is 400 people. And you're kin to a fourth or a third of them. There was nowhere for Mary to hide. So she carried the baby in this jar of clay. Can you imagine the gossip? Can you imagine the ridicule? Can you imagine she was ostracized? Can you imagine her parents were embarrassed? Do you realize that even Joseph, her fiancé, didn't believe her until an angel came and talked to him? Do you understand that moment? Do you see how this weak, inexplainable, unexplainable, wrong choice, crazy way, God said, that's the one I'm going to choose. And you know why God does things like that? Because everybody sitting in this room at some time or another, the world has said, you're not enough. You don't have what it takes. You're not going to get there from where you are. You started off too slow. You came from the wrong place. You made too many mistakes. You blew it too badly. Your reputation shot. You're never going to get another chance. This is not going to work for you. And God says, let me show you what I can do. Because I'm not intimidated. Can I tell you this? My weakness, your weakness, does not intimidate God. God is not afraid of what you can't do. Because he knows what he can do. God will not stop where I stop. God begins where I stop. God looks at me and says, you know, oh, George is rough, but he's mine and he's still under construction and he's not yet what he's going to be. But if he will walk with me, even with that outer package, I'm going to put something in those people and they will do something so great that their friends their family, their neighbors. It may not happen today. You may have to wait 30 years till he starts raising the dead and feeding 5,000. And then don't you know, I, you know, we don't have time to talk about that. Don't you know all those gossips shut up all of a sudden? All those people that whispered behind her back and, and pointed their finger and, and called her a liar. Don't you know when Jesus came walking back into Nazareth after all those miracles, they all wanted to come over for dinner. She had more relatives than she ever thought she had. Weird Uncle Harry, crazy Aunt Rose, everybody came over for Thanksgiving when Jesus came in town. Why? Because but she had to wait a little while. And you may have to wait a little while. But I don't want you to be discouraged. But when God says he's going to do it, when God says you're the one I'm going to choose, say yes to God. Say, here I am. Do what you want to do with me. May it be to me according to your word. You see, right now, you say this isn't going to work. Listen to me. You're just a miracle wrapped up in a mess right now. Don't give up on yourself. 
You're just a blessing wrapped up in a burden right now. Can anybody say that? See, you're a breakthrough wrapped up in a breakdown right now. See, it looks like a breakdown, but a breakthrough's on the inside of you. Anybody hear what I'm saying? It looks like a mess, but there's a miracle on the inside of you right now. See, see what happens, this world looks at us, and, and, and you're, you're, you're the creation of God hidden under the confusion of man. See, they can't see what God sees about you. You're the creation of God, and you're all wrapped up in the confusion of man. And they look at that boy's not going to make it. That lady's not going to make it. That marriage is not going to make it. That kid's not going to make it. It's not going to work. But if God is for us, in us, with us, who can ever stand against us on this thing? See, God's not afraid of it. I want our musicians and worship team to come back. So can I tell you, look, look at this. Your weakness is the canvas that God's going to paint his greatest miracle on. See, it, 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 we, we, God doesn't run from my weakness. You know what he does to our weakness? He transforms it into his strength and his presence. It's the glory of God. It's the presence of God. I want you guys to come back. See, can I help you with something today? I want you to be at peace that you're not perfect yet. Because you're not finished yet. Because God's not finished yet. He's still working on us are you with me listen determination and courage will take you farther than gifting and talent determination and courage will take you farther than the gift what, what do we learn i learned this a long time ago come on come on here's what they say it's not the size of the dog in the fight it's the size of the fight in the dog so i gotta say it one more time come on we, we need to let some dogs out in here come on it's not the size of the dog in the fight it's the size of the fight in the dog. See, it's the size of the faith in the woman. It's the size of the faith in the man that says, this doesn't look good and this is pushing me down. But see, that pressure, that pressure, that pressure that looks like it's going to break you is just the pressure that's wrapping you while a diamond's being formed on the inside of you. The diamond's about to break out. The presence of God is going to come in this thing. So I want you to stand with me. Come on, let's stand together today. And, and, and again, when I say stand, that's not code for leave. Come on, let's stand. I want you to stay with me. Let's stay. Come on. I want us to pray together. I want us to worship together. I want us to recognize what God is doing right now. He's saying to us that he majors in wrapped gifts. He wouldn't use our wrapping paper. He uses something else. We'll go on in a month. Come on. Who would have wrapped the king of the universe in a baby's body? Who'd have wrapped his royal birth in a stable and maybe even a cave? God seems to me, by design, to put these unlikely wrappings over his greatest miracles. And I believe you're one of those miracles. I believe God sent you to this world because there's more to you than anybody's ever seen. Your purpose may not be to preach or be on television or be famous. But I think about the faithful Sunday school teacher who led Billy Graham to Christ when there were no cameras and there were no books and movies. But a young boy in the third grade and his teacher doing what God wanted to do. So I love the unsung hero. You mothers in this room today, loving your kids, some of you single moms, 
They say you work two jobs. Really, you really work three. Your family's one job, and you got two more trying to pay for it. You faithful wives and mothers, wrapped in ordinary packages. No, your picture is not on magazines, and we don't see your face when you check out at the grocery store. Congratulations on that, by the way. You men in this room today, godly men, faithful men, good men, you go to work, you work hard. Nobody celebrates you, congratulates you. They don't pat you on the back when you come in or shake your hand when you leave, but you do it. And you raise your children and you love your wife and you take care of them faithful guys at Calvary. How do we do what we do? It's not one or two, it's all of us together. You faithful church members that have buildings that keep the lights on and where people can come find Jesus and find hope. You faithful people. I think of the faithful pastors I know that all their life never pastored more than 50 people. There are no books about them and they haven't written any books. They've never been on television. And outside 50, 60 people, nobody knows who they are. Those men have given their lives. For every well-known guy that blows it, I'm going to tell you, there are a thousand you'll never know who love God, who, whose Bible covers we're not worthy to pick up and carry with us. My God, the packages, the packages, the packages. The American culture that tells us now 40% of the children being raised in America today are living with their grandparents 40% I salute you faithful grandparents you are ready to retire go to the lake fish get the RV and travel you're paying for weddings and college you're raising children your heroes your packages wrapped up and the world doesn't see it you know what it doesn't matter because God sees it God knows who you are. Your generosity and your kindness, your tears, you cried, but nobody saw you cry. Your courage and your faith. I salute you today. I congratulate you today. I say on behalf of the Father, you're doing great today. I'm proud of you today. I'm honored to stand in front of you and be your pastor today. I'm honored to work with you and serve you as your pastor. Packages wrapped an unlikely appearance holding the treasure of God. He's awesome, isn't he? He's a mighty God. You know, Pastor Joy, I just in this holy moment, I want us just to, I want you to remember that your next blessing may be wrapped in an enemy right now. You may be saying, who am I? Come on, listen, there's nowhere in North Alabama that's smaller than Nazareth. There, listen, you can't find anywhere more out of the way than Nazareth. God knows who you are. God knows where you are.